Ben, thanks for uh, joining us here on The Backdrop. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, when I sent you over the times to do this, I and you said it needs to be post 530, I was a little surprised. I just thought you'd play around in some guy's backyard all day with chainsaws <laughs> and different toys. Yeah, I wish. I wish that was the case. Uh, luckily, we're at a position where you know, any given Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, general weekday, it's not a huge stress to get out there. Um, you know, Tuesdays, I like to get out there, Tuesday, Thursday, but hey, kind of waiting and, and hoping for this weather to clear so we can uh, move on to the next stage. Until then, we're going to sit back and uh, I guess enjoy some time off, even though all that's doing is causing a little bit more panic and uh, uh, really testing the old patience, that's for sure. Yeah, as it is for all of us stuck here in the Midwest in the spring that we've had. What, um, so what is your day job? So I'm in uh, technology sales in the staffing industry. I head up a uh, information security uh, staffing practice uh, with a small firm called Nexus IT Group. Um, so that's what I do you know, from day to day, if you will. Uh, it's certainly not something that, um, I guess, how do you say that nicely? Uh, I cannot see myself doing this forever. Right. As many, so you're you're a desk jockey like many of us um are who love this game of golf and that's why we use our weekends to get outside um but you know did you grow up with with some type of i don't know agricultural agronomy interests or like where did where did this kind of passion because anybody that follows you guys online knows that you're very passionate about this project what uh where does that stem from like what did you do as a kid uh that led to all this yeah, so I actually, you know, it's funny because I, I don't necessarily sit back and, and think about my history and how it's impacted uh, what we're doing here with some guy's backyard, but it, it is a funny parallel. So I, I came into the game by hitting golf shots in the backyard at my buddy's house who built this little uh, hole, and it was it completely made absolutely no sense. You know, we hit into the canopy of trees uh, and considered that a green, and we it was completely shaded so it turned into just straight dirt you could actually put it when it was just dirt and mud uh so we had our own little hole and I, I never thought of that as a connection per se just how i got into the game but what i would say is a, a true connection is my father and i you know, my dad is, is very much a um you know, somebody that can do it himself you know, he, he um, smart individual that can really take on any task and he's not afraid of hard work. I think he got that from my grandfather who, um, you know, built a house from scratch for the, the family. So that's just been a part of how we did life. You know, my mom, she grew up with horses and, um, you know, always wanted to go back to having a scenario like that where she could live, you know, and take care of her horses on a piece of property. And we moved to uh, Connecticut to an 11 acre slice of, of land and um, we needed to clear six to seven acres for horse pasture and it was a forest and my dad and I went out there and he uh, busted it. I mean every single weekend, every second that he possibly could get out there, he was out there and we, we did it all by hand. We completely flipped the property. Um, I was lucky enough after we cleared all that land I could, I had a flag and I would just bring it around the entire yard and hit anything from a 150 yard shot to 60 yard shot and all these different holes. So, um, again, I, I 
don't attribute any of that to what we're doing at some guy's backyard, but more of the um, belief that anything's possible and not being afraid of what's in front of you, I, I think was really ingrained from that younger age and, and really attributed to how my dad kind of went about things and uh, took care of our family. That's so there is some uh, responsible tree management skills that are in the family. <laughs> yes. All from. Yes. Yes. We have taken down thousands and I mean thousands of trees. So I, I got to admit something. So when I first uh, heard of you guys, I didn't, I wasn't much of a Twitter guy. Somebody had mentioned it on the golf course in passing and I thought it was um, a little bit of a joke, right? I didn't know that you guys were going to the lengths that you were until uh, a member of new club, Matt Prius. I think he's a mutual friend of ours. He sent, uh, he, he sent me your guys' website and uh, and he sent me the original thread of uh, on the the refuge the no laying up blog and I want to read that to you and and kind of get some of the origin but you know now that thread has a thousand comments and it starts with in the process of designing a backyard wedge range course would love the community's input on how to make it the most fun three acres possible so tell us how did the <laughs> How did this all, I mean, it now has a thousand comments and you guys have been doing this for a while. So so how did it all get started? Give us kind of the origin kickoff story. Yeah. So not to be like that, but we're approaching 4,000 comments on that thread. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's an interesting question and I think it's got an interesting backstory and um, I do like that you know, what you just said to me still really spoke to me because it's like, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Has it changed a little bit from just a wedge range and has it become a lot more public and uh, become more of a, a club that's anchored on this idea? I, I think that that's been something that we've really developed effectively and wasn't necessarily an initial vision, but the fun element is so important. And um, the idea came to, because Zach, Zach Bruff, he's my best friend. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, or well, I guess I went to college, met him, lived with him through college, and him and I went out to what is now Rough Creek National. That's his family's home. Um, we went out there and, and lived together for a year and a half, two years, something like that, uh, right after college. So first things first, when I got done with college, I was itching to play golf. It had been four years since I could really sit back and, and you know, commit to playing golf. You just re really didn't have that much option in college. So uh, first thing I wanted to do was, again, going back to kind of what I've always had, shot in my yard. So let's get a shot in this yard. Can we take down this tree? I want to dig a bunker up there. Are you cool with that? Yes, let's do it. Next thing we know, we got a 115-yard wet shot that we're just out there pounding balls forever. I mean, we I, I'm telling you, we just wore through mats every day after you know, after work going out and uh, just spraying balls all over the yard. So it was just so much fun. It was just what our friends did, and then we titled it Rough Creek National. Complete joke, right? Um, there's a club near us called National Golf Club of Kansas City that we had become members at. So we were just like national. Yeah, that's that's really what we are, right? Total joke. So it's funny that you, you say when you heard about it initially that it was felt like a joke because, you know, we kind of have never left that space. It still is picking fun at a lot of the things that are, you know, a part of, of this 
um, wonky golf culture that has been created in America. So it's, it is a little bit of a joke. The whole member letter thing and, and people becoming members stemmed from kind of picking fun at things. And, uh, you know, it just really snowballed. It's like, wow, people actually care about this and actually think that this is important and, and meaningful to them. You know, there, there was a vibe going on where conversation about what we were doing was happening without us. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. They actually think that this is something that they are thinking about in their own free will and they don't need me to be holding a sign in front of them saying, hey, let's talk about this. That was really important. So really just spiraled from there. But, you know, I, I think the um, actual development of the property uh, started in 2015 when we moved there after college, but really came to when Zach decided he was going to get a couple of trees professionally removed from the property, uh, mostly to be able to go solar, which we have not achieved yet, but we're working towards it, um, mostly just because they, they were hanging over the house and they needed to be gone anyway. So he was doing that and that was a huge Kickstarter for like, oh wow, this property has a lot more options now. Um, what should we consider? And we'd always gone out there and I, I took a lot of, uh, took a liking to you know, going out there and shaping the bunker and manicuring the grass to have it, give it a look uh, and just cared about it a lot. So I would go out there from time to time on a weekend and just, hey, I'm going to go cut the grass or I'm going to do this or do that. And um, then it just got bigger and then people actually cared about it and that really injected motivation and interest in going further with it um, you know, for us. And all of a sudden we broke across the creek and we accomplished what my initial thought on that very beginning of that thread was to have two different greens and a bunch of different teeing areas. Um, and here we are, you know, I created an ideal routing after a lot of thought and many nights rolling around in bed, unable to sleep, thinking about the property. And uh, again, that was like a more, I wish if something were to fall in my hands, I would do this with the property. Um, and then it just made sense. I said, why not? Why can't we? So we did it. Just did it. Just started ripping trees down and and building your guys' golf dream, your mecca. Um, <laughs> I so so Bruff Creek National. I I love hearing that it, it kind of was a joke. I, now that it, it makes a lot more sense now, looking back at some of the posts that I had missed when you guys were getting this thing started. And um, but but Bruff, Bruff Creek National. Out of that joke, you have over a thousand members now. I think I saw on the website last night it was yeah, like thir- thirteen hundred. 1,300 right worldwide members, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I think, <laughs> so I think we've double-digit countries at this point, too. I'm not exactly sure. I don't want to uh, oversell, no, but it's at least 10 countries. I, I definitely saw a few. I saw uh, a lot of, a lot in the UK, Netherlands, Italy, Norway, South Africa. The Aussies. Um, don't forget the Aussies. Oh, you got it. They, they love good golf. Of course, mm-hmm. they're going to join the, the, the golf party. Uh, so you, I mean, that, that has to feel really cool, right? That there is not just an audience, but people that have taken kind of the action item to sign up and and be, be a real part of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fascinating and it's incredible. I think one of the best things you can do in this world is to bring people together, however that might be, and having the ability to kind of do that. and, And you can look at somebody or not even know of somebody, but they believe and understand and, and like something that you like that lives halfway across the world. Uh, there's already a, an innate 
connection there. And I think that that's really cool and that's really important and something that I, I hope that we can focus on a lot moving forward. Uh, really, really love the fact that people get behind it, support it. And uh, it shows that there are other ways besides creating a business to make golf happen. And I think that's really important. Yeah. So I, I was uh, curious in hearing a little bit more about some inspirations to do it. Right. Obviously, just the love of, of golf and, and hitting shots with your friends and spending those moments together. Uh, that seems to be what was most special to you but were there some outside forces or things that you, you had had seen or pulled from that that were kind of adding on to that inspiration yeah 100 percent. so the new wave of golf media no laying up fried egg all those guys I, I can't emphasize enough how important they were into the development of my unique thoughts um which really is the most important piece of this being allowed to have an entertaining way to become a student of the game so critical to where we've come so they've been able to produce that for us which is is really fantastic and um, there's just a lot of things out there number one being i really like architecture i really liked golf course design i liked how um courses that were built with the intent for fun made me feel while I was out there versus the courses that I played on a week to week basis here in Kansas city or really anywhere in my golfing life. Uh, it doesn't matter the location. Um, and it was, it's just disheartening when the opportunity to do that is maybe once a year, you know, maybe once a year I'll be able to get a three day vacation where I can drive or fly eight plus hours and spend a couple thousand bucks to enjoy a serious golf experience. And what um, were some of those places that stuck with you? Yeah, so I, I did two last year. I was very lucky to do two last year before we started building um, Bruff Creek National that were really the inspiration for it. So um, Sand Valley, Mammoth Dunes, and the Sandbox, huge. Loved it. That was 1st of May. Um, we got to open up the Sandbox with their group uh, last year, 2018. So that was that was my first foray into fun golf golf intended you know there for golf's sake and for nothing else and, and that was really really eye-opening and important um to me and really my group of friends especially one of my buddies that is very much a, a um, competitive golfer he was able to completely let his hair down and that was nothing that nothing deserved the credit other than the golf course um, in order to do that. And I thought that that was really, really good, really, really interesting experience and just set the tone completely different for that time, um, you know, experiencing golf with people that I chose to experience it with totally different experience. Then, you know, we went to the, the short course sandbox and Gosh, that was just so much fun, right? No one ever lost a ball, not that we would have on Mammoth or anything like that. But, you know, it, we were always constantly playing, trying different things. There was no such thing as a score. Didn't care. Um, drank a bunch of beers, and it was just like, this is great. This is fantastic. Um, so that was really eye-opening. That was first, um, first understanding of the theory that golf is meant to be fun. And that was really, really important for me. So then I became addicted to chasing that idea um, and really wanted to. So lucky to go with my father up to the Prairie Club uh, in August. And there I played their horse course. So that course is intended not to be a metal play, go to hole one, hole two, hole three, hole four. It is more 
here's all the creativity you could ever want as a golfer. Go create what you think is the best way to interact with this playing surface and do it with the complete intent to be with the people that you're with. It is designed to connect people way more than a normal 18-hole track ever would, right? Because you're playing against somebody, not necessarily in a match play, but in a whatever you can imagine way, right? If it's just one-upping each other or, hey, try this shot. Hey, check this out. Hey, I turned around. Look at this crazy green, right? It was a completely different way of interacting with the golf course, with the playing surface. And uh, it showed me that, wow, we really, really, really have an opportunity here as you know the golfing public have been lucky enough to experience something like this this can travel this makes sense in a lot of places that are struggling to provide good golf this is 11 acres this is whatever 10 and a half acres and i could be out here for 10 hours a day and love every second of it this makes so much more sense than the muni down the street that's on 90 acres that can't keep its doors open. Um, so that, that really got my mind thinking. Um, then I just thought back to, you know, BCN and, and we already had the thread going kind of concept of what we were thinking about. It was very slow to be honest with you for the first, um, you know, couple of months. And then it was like, let's think about BCN in a different way. What are the best shot values that we can possibly produce out here? Cause it's such a cool piece of land. Um, and that just, you know, those experiences all wrapped in a, a you know, new way of thinking about golf, allowing myself to think out of the box with golf thanks to the new age, new wave of golf media. Um, and, and that's all I needed to be inspired and, and willing and excited to try something. Anyone who listens to this podcast on a regular basis knows I have a uh, proclivity for pitch and putts. <laughs> um, with, a lot, with a lot of inspiration from uh, from Ireland and those courses, and you know the one thing the one thing I I was curious if you guys have, have thought through because you talk about what was it called the Prairie Club? Uh, yeah, the Prairie Club. It's it's in Valentine, Nebraska. It's in the Sand Hills, about an hour and a half from Sand Hill um, Golf Club. So and, and basically play it play it as you see it and and hit shots. You know where, wherever right, tee to to pin or fairway to pins, uh, yeah. cross country golf in a way right. Absolutely. Golf, um, golf course playground is the best way I like to describe it. Yeah. Uh, really. And I, and I think that's one thing that we saw at our, uh, we did a spring meeting down at Sweetens, um, which was unbelievable. And, and all the feedback from the 60 folks that joined us was, was really overly positive. And all that credit goes to, uh, the golf course. Sweetens is, uh, is, is a very, very special place. Um, but what was so interesting is we had these free play periods where it was set aside for folks to go do that, to go play cross country, to just, you know, hit it where you see it and go hit it again. And all the feedback, you know, we had, three or four different formats that day competition whatnot most everybody said the only um negative was they would have liked more free play more of that uh because it's so rare and, and we just don't we don't have it we definitely don't have it here um but what i'm curious i'm curious how does that work with tea times <laughs> like if you got people <laughs> playing like a, it's a skate park or a playground sure. like how do you get enough people on the golf course have you guys thought that at all yeah no that, that's a really good point and i think that that is uh something that we're certainly going to have to 
kind of hit at head on as we continue to grow, especially a local presence. So um, that's another thing that we kind of strategically did moving forward with the membership piece is we really played into that national or international element. We wanted people to find what we're doing organically because they like the idea, because they believe in the idea and not necessarily because, hey, that's right down the street. Um, it's evolved. We've been in the news, so it's kind of no hiding at this point. But we wanted to bring people in from a more theoretical standpoint with the concept of, hey, follow us, follow what we're doing. If you ever happen or feel so inclined to come out here and play with us, we will make a special event for you and you'll have the whole golf course to yourself, right? In the end, it's still some guy's backyard, and I think that we need to respect that. Um, in that, you know, Tuesday at 9 a.m., like, we really hope that there's not people out there roaming the course, hitting shots in Zach's backyard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, give us a call. Come out to one of our events. We'll make it very available and very open to everybody. But, like, we, we got to respect that it's our, you know, it's our backyard, if you will. So I think that we're going to put on you know, numerous events, a lot for the local people here hopefully for some juniors as well. Um, I think it'd be fun for them to see something a little different. Uh, um, and, and those will be really well thought out. I think that they will be a mix of, um, we will play holes one through seven as a classic you know, format. We might play it in reverse on the back seven, if you will. Um, but we'll also play massive horse games. You know, it, it's hopefully going to be, hey, respect it. You can kind of feel where people are and where they're hitting. Look around, do a 360, then pick your hole and go there. Don't force something if you're hitting over people's heads or whatever it might be. So it's going to be hopefully controlled chaos, but we'll see how that develops over time. That's that's awesome. <laughs> that gets me very excited. I mean, because you don't know until you try it, right? And until people yeah. are, are starting to do it, you got to take that little risk and yeah. uh, see what works best for everybody when they're actually out there playing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we want people of all skill levels to be out there, but it needs to just be a general policy of, hey, just pay attention. Think about your scatter pattern. And if you think you might hit somebody, wait or try something different. Um, you know, we and I think it's going to take some coaching. I think it's going to take a couple of us out there um, kind of maneuvering with the crowd and, and teaching um, and, and them understanding what is and what isn't acceptable, I guess. Uh, none of the shots are going to be all that far, especially if you're playing more of a playground feel. Um, the actual golf holes, if you were to play one through seven, there's a shot that's almost 140 yards. So that probably won't be in play during the uh, you know horse games or what have you. So um, hopefully it'll be short enough shots with interesting enough greens. It'll be a hell of a lot of fun. Let's talk... Uh... We'll, we'll get so we'll get into your architectural principles, but before we do this, uh, membership. Are, are I should know the answer to this, but are memberships free? Is that correct? Yeah, 100% free. Anybody can sign up. It's simply just sending in their name and their email address, so we can contact them. We automatically assign them with a member ID, give them a little you know, welcome with some quick links. What are we doing? What's the update? What's the recent newsletter? That kind of thing, and uh, they're in. You know, they can tout their membership all they want. We love it. We hope they do. Um, we offer gin handicap service as well. If they really want to show off to their friends, more than welcome to post their handicap at BCN. That's 
That's great. And I know the challenges of managing handicap indexes. So kudos to you guys for setting that up. <laughs> yeah. um, and so in BCN, is the intention to still um, allow it to be free to play? 100%. Yep. We, we've raised the money uh, via crowdsourcing donations, both from a, uh, I guess, in all three ways of skills, of monetary contributions or donations of hard goods. Um, we've raised almost 20000 in just hard goods and money alone, skills. I can't tell you how much that's been worth. Um, and because of that, we're not trying to make money on green fees or anything like that. We just want to pass these around to other neighborhoods, other communities, other areas that could benefit from this type of concept. And um, it's going to be 100% free to play. And we're going to take on the, the task of managing it. And it's only three acres. Zach would have to mow is three acres anyways. So it's not like we're really changing too, too much here. And we have all the resources we need to make it happen. So 100% free to become a member. Anyone wants to come out, member or not, they'll all nudge you to go ahead and sign up to be a member if you come out and you're not uh they can come and play for free it's what we want to do it's what we think is is best i've yet to uh see i guess it's probably a bad way of saying it it's rare that you'll see a golf course a golf experience it's not like a top golf make money um so i struggle to see how when it's a community-based activity why we continually open up golf courses and golfing uh playing fields with the intent of making money it just doesn't make too much sense to me so i like the idea of the community coming together seeing what they can create once they do then um donation based all the way in you can play for free it's an inspiration man i i just think that is uh you know, you probably don't end up getting that much outpour of support and and GoFundMe um, if it is a business or if it is a, a for-profit club or what have you. But you know, the way that you guys have have done it, the spirit of the game that you uh, you seem to talk about, um, I, I get it, man. I understand why people are are so hungry for this and sure. and kind of knocking down your your door and your Instagram probably direct messages with with wanting to know more because um, we need it. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate that, and I, I think we do as well. And um, you know, it, it's one of those things where are we making any money off of it? No, we're we're not making any money off of it. But what is the value of a prototype, or what is the value of um, being able having all the resources one would need to develop a concept? thoroughly develop a concept in my mind it's way more than we could ever make on a freaking green fee so um this is for me the value is so unbelievably there and to be able again to be able to connect all these people and um you know hopefully open more doors um by i guess you can say donating our time to to do this i think that that's going to be way more valuable than you could ever imagine or ever um equal from a, a greens fee perspective it just makes me laugh even thinking about that concept yeah because when you look at the numbers of uh you know municipal golf course it's it, it's not pretty um and, and i'm sure you guys have seen those and understand how challenging it is um but the but, but on the do donation so i was walking a uh a nine hole course here with a perry maxwell enthusiast named colton craig yeah, and, yeah, I know colton. and he yeah, he was another one that dropped your guys, uh, well, not your name, but your alias, I suppose, some guy's backyard. And 
and he uh, he said he's helped out or he draw, drew up some plans for you guys. So I was curious, have other professionals or folks that are in the industry, have they been offering to chip in? Yeah, so Colton, that's actually a really funny story. He gravitated towards what we were doing very early on, like November, December time frame. And um, he actually called us with the thought of, hey, I might be getting a job here. This might be something for me. Uh, as a professional architect, right? And, and then we kind of shared a little bit more of, hey, here's our website. This is what we're doing. Like, we kind of already designed the golf course. Um, he still was like, I'm coming up. I got to come check it out. So um, he did. He's and, and, definitely you know, that kind of guy. Yeah, no, definitely is. He, I think he caught a fat speeding ticket on the way up too, so I feel bad for him. But <laughs> um, anyhow, so so yeah, he, he came up and we walked the course and um, he was – I. I venture to say he was pretty impressed with the actual property um, and kind of what we had decided already. Uh, he did give some inspiration on a bunker on the seventh hole, which is great because it's one of my favorite features. So very thankful <laughs> Colton for that. But uh, yeah, he came out and he really, you know, it was reinforced what we were doing. It made us feel very confident that, hey, somebody that's a professional here thinks that our idea is pretty good and the design is pretty good and the shots are going to be fun. And from there, it was kind of a uh, um, you know, no-brainer to continue with that initial you know, dream uh, routing that, that we had conceived. So, um, yeah, he was one professional that did it, that you know, came out and, and really reinforced it and um, it was very meaningful. But we've had numerous professionals of all sorts, anything you can really imagine. You know, we've had a, a packaging and shipping professional reach out to us and help us with some you know, general how do I ship merchandise? I have no idea, right? So I, I, you know, was lucky enough to have somebody that could totally help with that and has saved us so much time and money and effort. And it's been fantastic. And, you know, I've had an IT person, Jeff Agnall, he helped me um, spin up the website. I'd never done any of that before either. So, you know, he got me set up, did all the backend work and it was fantastic. Um, and then just numerous other professionals in all sorts of different shapes and size. I can go on and on, but the spectrum's so wide. Uh, you know, from architecture, superintendents um, had a lot of individuals that are very supportive and um, in tune and care about it, and are willing to spend some of their free time um, to help. And it really has been super important. No chance we could have ever gotten to where we are without people raising their hands with. You know, skills or knowledge that they can pass down and help move this in the right direction. And I think that's just the era we live in, right? I mean, if I was, um, you know, Perry Maxwell or gosh, Tom Morris trying to find information about how to develop a golf course and manage turf conditions, you'd be spinning your wheels. You'd be in the library for who knows how long, right? I can go online or go on Twitter and ask, hey, does anybody know anything about this? And I'll have my question answered in 15 minutes. Uh, that's crazy important. I, I really think that's the only way that this is even conceivably possible uh, is because of the era we live in. That, that is, it is a wild time uh, where everything is literally at our fingertips and you can get those resources um, and things like Twitter where people, you can get it directly from those folks. Yeah. Uh, that you would never be introduced to before. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, you guys are, are a product of the times for sure. But I, I, I do want to remind you, you know, old Tom probably started just like you, dropping a ball and hitting a shot at some rock in the distance, you know. And, <laughs> 
saying, yeah, that's pretty good. That's a good yeah. track. Yeah, I'd like to think that. <laughs> so who's the, uh, since we're on architecture, who's the architecture team? Uh, it does seem that you guys come from the minimalist school of thought. Uh, is that fa- fair to say? Uh, yeah, I would consider it to be more of defensive design school of thought um, than minimalist. I think that um, I think our minimalist and Tom Doak's minimalist is drastically different. We don't have the opportunity to practice restraint. It is how do we overcome problems strictly? That's it. That's the only way that we can think about this because we don't have machinery. We don't have money. We don't have all these things. It's how can we realize a golfing playing field out of what we got? So um, we're not trying to create an aesthetic or an ethos or anything like that. It's just pure defensive design. So um, never would have known that until we started getting in the weeds and started doing construction. I mean, that's it's 100% process oriented. Um, it has nothing to do necessarily with the desired aesthetic um, or desired way that the, the course is played. It's just 100% defensive. And how can we how can we at least get this into golfing, an acceptable golfing shape? Um, and that's it. So, uh, design team. Gosh, that's that's tough. I mean, I I conceived the the routing of the. I guess the back six holes and then Evan Bissell, he's a big part of some guy's backyard team. He does our video production work and flies a drone, all that good creative stuff and does some technology things as well. Uh, but he, you know, when Colton was out there, matter of fact, when Colton Craig was out there, uh, he kind of ventured off from our group. And then all of a sudden you heard him yelling, Hey, what about this? And we go up there and, and kind of look through some trees. And that, that's the one thing. It was really tough to, like, you can't see anything. I mean, it's just a forest. And, and you know, he was up there in the, the uh, woods and, and kind of looked down. And we are like, whoa, this might be this might be really good. And that was our first hole. So uh, I give him full credit for, for that. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like, uh, like by committee but with a lot of uh, test and trial uh, to determine, you know, what are what are going to be the funnest shots. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and we've hit a lot of those shots, even though we were just in the woods and the ball couldn't go anywhere. Uh, and that's that's really how we designed the course. Was Matt Pruce, individual that you know, new club member. He, you know, he was always a creative person, and we would just go around and. Uh, bang balls around the field. And even though there was trees everywhere, it'd be like, Hey, just hit to the base of that tree. That's our goal. And that's how we created these shots. You know, really that that's what it came down to. It was just, what were the most fun possible shots out there? We had tried to hit them the best we could and we moved on and that was it. So long-term plan. It's probably safe to say there's not going to be any, uh, any waterfalls or, or fountains uh, being <laughs> added to Bruff Creek. You know, I, I can't say that just because we are glutton for a good joke. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if the fountain showed its head every now and then. <laughs> so, well, if, if you need the Foz, uh, we can get, you know, we, we have the people. We'll get you connected and, and sure. uh, let, them, <laughs> let them loose on this little beautiful couple acres that you own. Um, that's, that's, this is all just, just too fun. I, I think some other things that I'm curious in is like um, – when you tell people about this, it's like like non-golfers, like you're at a family gathering or something, yep. and and you're telling folks that you're building a course in your buddy's backyard. What what are some of the reactions you get? 
Yeah, so speaking of, anybody out there can think of a good elevator pitch for what we're doing. I am all ears. It's really, really hard to explain to people what we're doing and how it's not just some, oh, they're just mowing the grass short and sticking some flags in the yard, right? It's really, really tough to explain that we are developing this concept with architectural intent and um, hopefully satisfying the golf's, golf purists and golf addicts' desire to play golf while also trying to be a place that's completely approachable you know, jeans and t-shirt kind of environment. Um, that's really, really, really hard to get across to family, friends, or really anybody that's not more than a casual golfer. Um, it's really tough. So to be honest with you, Matt, it's very long-winded answers, and I'd end up kind of sending them over to some articles or something like that to kind of get a better understanding of what we're doing. Um, or I just kind of like... Eh, if you don't get it, you don't get it kind of thing. And, yeah, we're building a golf course in the backyard. That's just kind of it. Um, I, of course, if they have any questions, I love talking about it. I can talk about yeah. it all day long. So, um, But, yeah, it's. I think it's impossible until we show how it works and what it's doing um, to get that across if you're any less than just a casual golf fan. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll share just personally. I've, I've always struggled with this for for new club you know a, a a golf society without real estate you know just kind of coming up with like ways for the the non-avid golfers to to kind of understand it quickly you know because that's you you just want you want people to get it but i i actually think and you you kind of said it but it's it's okay that they don't you know and and sometimes the only way that they will understand it is by you know fully experiencing it and hearing it from others uh first and, yeah. and just kind of being okay with that. I feel like, you know, with what you guys have created, um, it, it's bound to happen where they will understand eventually what the ethos is it, of it is all about and uh, might even come down and try it out. But, you know, I, I think like the it's, it's taken me some time to have this like beginner's mindset more often where if I knew, knew nothing about golf, does it mean that you know, I can't get to the the level of appreciation and, and reverence that, you know, someone like yourself or, or uh, a society member might already have. Um, yeah, you can get there, but it's not going to happen overnight. And, and it only happens from from experiences, right? Getting a club in somebody's hand and, and hitting some shots. It's got to it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that you can say something in you know 20 words or less that they're all of a sudden going to feel it. Uh, it's just never going to happen until they <laughs> do get intellectually curious and what in the hell are these people doing? Then they may, then they might, if they can open themselves up to it, but yeah, there's just no, it's fighting an unwinnable fight sometimes. But the good news is it's all out there now, or at least with the, the, the Renaissance, the movement, whatever you want to call it, uh, feels like there's a lot more of it for those people to, to dive into and, yeah. and kind of go, you know, from 101 to, to 401 in terms of their, their appreciation for the game. But sure. uh, as long as they're playing and, and playing in cool places, I mean, that, that always is a, a benefit, I guess. Yeah, certainly agree. So I was looking at your timeline um, in the building process. And I'm curious, uh, just on the website, you got that whole kind of rundown chronologically of everything that's going on. It, we're, we're about coming up on the one-year anniversary of the tree removal isn't that right 
Uh, yeah, tomorrow, I think. June I think 5th. it's tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, tomorrow. So how how in that year, I kind of from like trees coming down to to now. I wanted to hear just kind of your favorite part of the building process. Um, seems like you enjoy the community aspect of all this, but I was curious, like when you're with your hands in the mud and the dirt, like what have you enjoyed the most about it? And what are some maybe on the other side of the spectrum things that you're like, oh man, will this ever end? Or like, you know, stuff that was, was a bit tougher than you imagined it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the community element is fantastic and it's a great way again, to inject motivation into what we're doing and know we're working on the right things. I will say when I get out there and I'm working on stuff, I don't think about that at all, which sometimes is to a fault because I wish that I would capture a little bit more of what we're doing so we can share it with the community. But I'm so dead set on progress and opening something up and, and um, realizing my own personal vision of something that sometimes I, I get a little bit caught going too fast and then missing out on something that could potentially be very informative to the community. So that's definitely a, a fault and something that I need to work on. But um, hopefully we're doing that by having some other members coming out and focusing exclusively on grabbing that content, if you will. Um, my favorite thing is seeing progress. I don't care what it is. It could be something very small, like picking up sticks in preparation for um putting down seed or something huge like taking out a massive tree that all of a sudden a vista is completely open. It doesn't matter as long as progress is being made. I have a lot of satisfaction in that. And it's really just like putting the puzzle together. And, and I appreciate every element in its own unique way, um, which I, I, which is fun, right? Just keeping it, keeping it open and enjoying the ride. Um, what I'd say is the most difficult part is, uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think we really faced any adversity. Gosh, in the first probably nine months, things were just going so well. And we didn't really have any hic – there would be hiccups like, oh, this chain stall, we got to stop. You know, oh, it's raining this Saturday, we can't work. But realistically, we were – full steam ahead. I mean, we were just moving through it. Things were happening like crazy. It was great. Uh, it was fantastic. May came. This past month has been uh, May from hell. We have hit a record. Um, it's a record in, from uh, forever. I, I don't know. Whenever they started keeping these records, uh, <laughs> amount of, of precipitation that we've received in May, and this was supposed to be our most critical time because we worked all the way up to where we are, which is greens are ready for sod, teas are ready for sod, the whole place is greening up and the seeds popping from the rough areas, like it's happening, and then it's just a complete and utter hardest stop you could ever imagine because it's so wet that they can't even cut the sod. And they don't even know when they'll be able to cut the sod. So in my mind, I had this whole timeline where it's like, okay, we need 20-ish weeks for all the sod seems to grow in. And then it's time to start thinking about our first couple of, um, you know, tournaments or whatever events uh, to start happening. And that would have been a perfect timeline. But 
hold on. Nope. Now we don't even have a clue when they're going to be able to cut sod yet. It might be July, which would be a huge, I don't want to say it's a blow because getting sod down at all this year is going to be awesome. We can open. It might not be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. It might be a little less perfect, but we're going to open it. Um, so it's just, it's just keeping that patience. And, and again, it's, it's lost sleep over when, when is the weather going to turn? When is it not going to thunderstorm so bad that it's flooding at BCN? Like, when is that going to happen? Um, and, and I'm still looking at the 15-day forecast, and we only have four days of sun in it. So I'm just trying my hardest to stay patient. But this stale time uh, is definitely been the hardest and certainly a, a level of adversity that uh, – I don't know if I was necessarily prepared for, but uh, hopefully we'll grow from it. So um, that's been the, the toughest part. I I was at a, I, I feel like there's probably, we have a couple of superintendents that have been on the pod. I know they tune in every once in a while. I hope they're listening and they're probably all just like, Ben, we feel you, bro. <laughs> we know what you're going through. You're, you're not alone, man. There's a lot of people in that industry that, that have been talking about this spring and just like, man, it's been unrelenting rainfall that really just um it, it's so tough it makes their job so tough and you know yeah. i'm not talking we're talking obviously about the the big the big courses and the people that have you know f these memberships and people that they have to please and it's it can be stressful for them um yeah. and they it, what drives me nuts though are the people that don't understand how what goes into and and now you above probably most all <laughs> average golfers are going to fully appreciate like there's so much that goes into um, making places playable, making, you know, something special uh, when you are combating Mother Nature. And and Mother Nature creates the, the opportunity, the canvas to, to do this awesome game. But, um, you know, when, when people complain about conditions, I'm just like, have you ever tried? And uh, it's just... It's tough, right? It's tough. Yeah, yeah. You're you're so deep into <laughs> into my mind right now. I, I can't even explain it. It, I, I really feel like golf's one of golf's biggest problems. And I might be really overstepping here, but I this is how I feel because it's something that I deal with every single day. Is we perpetually put the shield over everyone's eyes of how freaking hard it is to have golfing surfaces. It is incredible. From the build, you know, we call all these golf courses that are um, highly revered and sought after, you know, these minimalist designs. We just stumbled across this course and boom, we found it, right? Let's not lie to ourselves. Yes, the land is absolutely fantastic, but it takes so much and so much money to make it what we are seeing it as golfers. But we just pay our 60 bucks to the guy at the front desk and go play and complain about it, right? It, it just yeah. blows my mind. I just don't know why we as golfers, or really the golfing industry, because superintendents, construction folks, designers, they do not get what they deserve, at least from a, a um, respect perspective by a long shot. You know, they are the silent, um, you know, unseen heroes of, of golf. And that is just an absolute crime. You know, we, we absolutely, as golfers, as a golfing community, um, present these courses with no men, women out there preparing these courses to be what they are. And we think that that's just the standard or what it is, right? And it, it, we, you know, from the construction 
all the way through um, to just managing your local muni at a shoestring budget. Uh, it's not respected, and it's it's we're hiding it. And I, I feel I honestly feel like we are hiding it from ourselves. And um, I think until we can flip that and understand that either golf is a in it's an activity that's going to lose money, um, or it's going to cost us a lot more to achieve what golfers in their mind think is the standard. Um, I, I just don't know how we're going to be able to grow as a, a game. Yeah. Yeah. The whole cost breakdown sounds like you and I need to have a follow-up discussion around the whole cost breakdown around the game. Cause I've thought about it, um, really coming from an angle of, uh, private clubs and their membership structures and, you know, how, how does really good compelling golf, uh, become, uh, the thing that, that is the norm. And, and I'm pulling from, you know, golf societies and groups over in the UK that, uh, seem to be doing it, um, in some way, but, but again, the cost, uh, structure has to be offset by the number of golfers you have. And it's kind of yep. this, this catch 22, but, but for sure what you're saying, uh, makes a lot of sense for anybody. And that's that if you can just shift your uh, perspective a little bit or focus, you know, not so much on, you know, what am I, what did I pay and what am I, what's my score, mm-hmm. but, but a little bit on the appreciation, I'll, I'll give you a quick, quick, uh, personal story on that is, but you know, we went out, there's a guy that you have got to talk to if you haven't already, his name's Jason way. And he's a, um, a community golf course. Uh, I, I don't even know what his title is. I call him the artisan because it, it's named after some things in the UK, the Artisans Club that fixes up as a volunteer. Uh, and he does sure. it for a golf course called Canal Shores. Canal Shores, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we go out and volunteer some time with him. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, after spending five or six hours just – you know, hand sculpting some bunker edges, just kind of ripping out the the grass that kind of grows in and shrinks the bunker over a year or two. After doing that, my rounds, I, I am now looking at every bunker edge every, <laughs> as I walk around. And my perspective has totally changed. Like, I, it's just another aspect of the game that I can now appreciate. And, and maybe I won't gripe about the three-putt I just made. I'll be like, huh. That bunker edge, that's pretty natural looking. That's pretty cool. I wonder how they did that. Yep. And and just like, you know, it, it's it's a level of golf geek that I'm sure most people are, aren't comfortable with yet. But but that's because they, they haven't opened up to it. And, and I think things like what you're doing are going to help people get there. Yeah, I, I hope so. And you know, one more thing on, on that. It's, we also got to remember, like, the human element around maintaining a golf course. What is a superintendent going to do if – one of his people that he was expecting to come in at 5 a.m. calls in sick and the other one has a child that needs to go to an appointment and they just can't come. Now, his his goalposts have absolutely shifted, but the golfers haven't at all. And I just don't think that as golfers we respect that, hey, there's a, a significant human element here that we need to consider and we don't know what is going on behind the scenes. And we should probably give a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt of what's happening because this is these people's jobs. And just like you and me, they get sick and they can't come and they're down a man and they can't accomplish the same amount of stuff. You know, I just think that um, we keep our standards the same at very high when we don't understand that like, hey, humans are at work here. We need to give a little bit of rope. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um so your guy, the, the website, I'm really impressed with the website, by the way. So for whoever was responsible, uh, they're doing a great job. And for cool. those that are, are still listening and, and want to check it out, it's someguysbackyard.com. 
Um, but on there, you guys have this really complete needs guide. And, uh, you know, just laying out things that are, are need from turf seed to flags and flagpoles. Uh, it's all kind of broken down into categories with your uh, your budget and projected protect uh projected spend i was curious on the uh there's a couple items like mole and gopher traps um <laughs> that are 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 listed there with uh they come in one and four packs and cost 15 to 100 bucks um did you catch the gophers did you catch the moles before the side goes down yeah so we have we've had a success one but i really really don't think that's it i think that we're gonna have a long battle carl spackler level <laughs> battle with the moles <laughs> that's what i was uh, uh drawing from inspiration for that's okay you guys can do it you know just add it to the list of things mm-hmm. exactly oh that's awesome well on on the um uh, the schedule then obviously combating a, a big bad may um what are you looking like for for your guys open dates and tournament events like what what's the the schedule remind our folks because uh, i know that i won't be alone in terms of our society members who want to come down and support you guys sure yeah so you know gosh if we can get within the next month if we can get sod down i i think that we're going to still be on track um and, and what on track means is you know hopefully being pretty much fully grown in at least fully grown in enough where i'm excited to invite people out um, by late summer, uh, early fall with the intent of having a big um, national membership like the event uh, somewhere around the 1st of October. So I've shifted that goalpost from what I think I had initially thought of as September 1st. I think that would be more of a local event where we'll have Mm -hmm. a bunch of people kind of come in and out, drive in and out. And then I want to do something, you know, ringer-esque if you will obviously not on that scale but something like that where a group of good guys and gals come together from all over the place to um come around a central idea central concept and and uh use those people as like a hey let's experience experiment with all of the different ways that you can interact with rough creek national people that really get it that are willing to travel to come and do this um i think that that would be special and hopefully if we can get this sod down uh you know sometime in july i think that we're still on track for that nice nice well hey in fall i mean you know it gets a little firmer maybe a little less Mm -hmm. rain maybe some down with brown i know you guys want to have it uh maintained in the uh the minimalist just brown is good right brown is is good yeah yeah nature nature's gonna dictate what we can do if it wants to rain a bunch then we'll have green grass if it does not we will have not as green grass <laughs> <laughs> so for uh for our listening audience how do they get involved who can they where should they go um if they want to sign up for membership if they want to come down for some of the, these events once you guys uh, do have it good to go where, where should we send them yeah, so the Twitter account is probably the most active. Um, we try to keep our Instagram equally as active, but we can uh, interact a little bit better on Twitter. So that's uh, some guy's backyard with no A in yard. Uh, so just YRD. Instagram is some guy's backyard. Uh, if they want to become a member, some guy's backyard.com. Scroll down, there's a button that says 
BCN or become a BCN member and click that button, throw in your email and your first name. We'll be in contact with you pretty much immediately uh, with some just follow-up information, reply back to that with the state that you're from so we can add you to the member map. Uh, we are going to be working on something that's hopefully going to be able to connect members a little bit more where they have their member ID and they can uh, see just the first names of the people that are in their state or maybe where they're traveling to. They can press a button, say connect. Maybe they want to come in and you know need a suggestion for a golf course to play or maybe they're interested in finding a new golf buddy and if that person willing to accept that connection uh, then you know we can release a contact information for that person and they can group up so um, that's what we're hoping to develop this into hopefully the BCN membership will have a little bit more perks than just being a part of a national club um, so that that's best way to get in contact with us if you want just email me at some guys backyard at gmail.com please do I like to fill my day with BCN stuff as much as possible so love to talk I love it. I love it. And um, thanks for taking the time, Ben. This, this has been really fun. I, I did want to share with you. I was talking to my fiance last night about, you know, our conversation today and um, how cool it is for the game of golf. I kept kind of referencing that, that these things need to be done for golfers. But uh, just, you know, being in our generation of, of people. Well, I don't know how many people have said like, oh, yeah, I could have a you know couple holes in my back yard and you know i think it's kind of a, a dream of a lot of golfers but you guys are really doing it and, and in the generation that created plays things like fire festival and <laughs> to see you know young guys who are just hustling and to watch your videos of you guys you know actually doing things um you know bringing down the trees and, and building the the layout and routings and um, it's it's really cool and and i think that's another thing that people have connected with is that you know it's a group of uh, kindred spirits that are actually doing something in the game. So um, whatever that's worth, keep it up, keep doing it. We'll come down and see you. Looking forward to hitting a few shots. And um, and just thanks for joining with us today and sharing your story. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I can't wait to have you guys down. Favorite thing in the world is walking around and answering questions. I know that sounds silly, but I uh, can't wait for you guys to come on down and uh, experience what we've been working on here. We're going to make it happen. Awesome. Thank you.